the Lord gives us a very straightforward, almost definition of, of what heaven is. What is heaven? I mean, um, when we hear the word heaven, we have, we have an idea of it. Uh, we've seen cartoons of it where people go to this like fuzzy place with lots of clouds and harps. Um, hell, on the other hand, everyone gets a violin. Uh, where is she? Uh, so, uh, so, yes, um, so, like, we have this idea, this kind of almost naive, maybe childish idea of, of what heaven is like. It's been interesting. Do you know those ceremonies that happen at a funeral mass before the mass actually takes place where they bring up some signs and symbols of the person's life? Um, it can be... Obviously, it's a way of remembering the person. But sometimes I, I find it a bit almost shocking uh, if the signs that are brought up for a person are, say, oh, God bless Bridie, she was great, and uh, we all know sure her favourite pastimes were, here they are now, a uh, box of cigarettes, and so we placed the box of cigarettes there on the little table, and she loved her phone, she was, you know, she, 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 was, a, she was always on Paddy Power, it's a, a betting website, and so we put her phone there now, and, um, and you know, or if it's a fella, like a, you know, a Man United jersey, and, uh, and you know, uh, as the priest, like, you're just sitting there going, is that it? Do you know? I mean, actually, I find it, I find it really saddening. Is that it? A person's life can be summarized by a box of cigarettes and a Man United jersey. It's it's uh, it's it's like it's it's, hor- it's horrific. It's horrific. Um, I remember once uh, a man was giving a eulogy at a, a present at a funeral where I was where I was present, and he said, "Sure, Mary now Mary never went to mass. Okay. Mary wasn't her name." Um, but Mary, you know, when she was a, a great lady and she took care of her garden, she loved her, her, her roses and that, and she was great for the golf, and, you know, the, the many members of her golf club are here with her now, and um, we hope now that she's looking down on us from the great golf club in the sky. And again, I was sitting there, that's, that's horrific. That is simply horrific that her life... I mean, we often like we kind of start as you mean to go on. We kind of st- we live lives here, uh, which are supposed to prepare us for heaven, and maybe subconsciously we, we 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 choose every day what we want for heaven. So if I'm choosing every day myself or my hobbies or my vices, well then that's what I've chosen for all eternity. It's you know the Lord leaves us free. What do you want? What do you want to do with life? Because if I choose this every day, well then I'm sure, that, is that what you want for all eternity? Well, you've chosen it. So what, what, we, what we do, what we choose today, is setting up eternity. Okay, now then Jesus defines heaven here. He says eternal life is this, right? So it doesn't say eternal life is this. Um, now he, he, maybe he could have, could have said other things as well, you know, the, the eternal beatitude, uh, gazing upon the face of God for all eternity, been taken into the heart of the Trinity, been taken into the eternal exchange of love of the Trinity. He could have phrased it in different ways, but he phrased it this way. Eternal life is this, to know the one true God. To know God. That's heaven. And it's, 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 a, it's, it's almost too simple, but if you ask people, you know, do, you, do you want heaven? They go, sure, yeah. Sounds better than this, or better than hell if hell exists which it probably doesn't uh, so yeah sure heaven yeah we'll go with that 
Okay, do you want to know God? Uh, I, I, I don't know. Do, do, I, do I need to? <laughs> yeah, 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 you do. You do. You do, because um, that's what heaven is. If you, if you don't know God, how do you even know you want heaven? How do you even know you want to be in heaven for all eternity with a God who you don't know and who you have zero interest in? You've shown zero interest in this side of eternity. What makes you think you're going to love him for all eternity? If heaven is knowing God, then like the ball is very much back in our court. Do you want to know him? Now, we shouldn't misunderstand this either. It doesn't mean that only, that only those who have studied theology or something get to heaven. That knowledge of God is all head-based or all... Not, uh, knowledge in, in, in terms of, of, of study based. That's not the case. I remember hearing a story of a, uh, a very eloquent preacher uh, and he was asked to read Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And so he gets up and he says, the Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. Fresh and green are the pastures where he gives me repose. And then they handed over then to the, to the next priest. The next priest now was very, very old and could uh, fairly indistinct now when he was talking. Near Westfield Waters, he guides me to revive my drooping spirit. Okay? And he mumbled his way through it. But there was something about the way the old priest read that the whole assembly paused in silence. Right? And they were talking about it afterwards, the priest. And the younger priest, the, 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 the one with good orational skills, said, um, yeah, I knew the Sam. He knew the shepherd. I knew the Sam. I can read it well. But he knows the shepherd. And that's knowledge of God. That you know him here. It's not that I've, I've you know, I can read Greek and I can read Greek and Hebrew and I've learned all this stuff by heart. But I, I, I know the heart, or at least I'm trying to know the heart of God. His heart for me. His heart for the church. Knowledge of God. That's that's what it's about. Do I know the Lord? Do I do I know His heart? Do I know what He's what He wants? Do I know how He thinks? Do I know how He loves? Do I know how He He, he gazes? upon me with joy do I know how he rejoices over me with dancing as, as prophet Nehemiah describes do I, do, do I know him at all because it's, it's, it's actually quite scary that you can study theology you can do a masters in theology and not know God from Adam you can study all sorts of information but not know the heart of God and this is what revelation surely is all about. We use this word all the time, rev divine revelation. What are we revealing? What are we trying to reveal? How smart we are? No, surely divine revelation is trying to reveal God. He's trying to reveal himself. So this is how I am. This is how I think. This is what I want of you because I love you. I want you to avoid these things that will hurt you and do these things that are good for you. I'm revealing myself to you and revealing you to yourself. Revealing your own dignity to you. Because there's no other creature who I call my child. So I'm revealing your own dignity. I'm revealing who you are, your identity, and mine. 
knowing God, it's, 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 it's all that matters. And it's, it's just the greatest loss if, if at the end of someone's life, they don't know God. It's, it's, a, it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. Now, we're not saying, uh, yeah, I'm not judging jury of where people go after, after their lives and a, people's, a person's heart is known by God. So that's all left up to him. But our job while we're here, our job as missionaries, our job, my job as a priest, is firstly that, I'm to, that I myself will know God. Focus, I believe, would call it divine intimacy. That I have this divine intimacy. If I, don't, if I don't have that, I can't give it to anyone else. So I have divine intimacy myself. And then nurturing that relationship. In this loving relationship with God, this should flow out to others. That I want to win others for God. I want them to know his heart. I first have to know it myself. And then I want to reveal him to others. And this is the, the greatest, greatest gift. St. Felix of Cantalice, uh, the, one of the saints we celebrate today, uh, he was a very, very simple man in the 16th century, uh, contemporary with uh, Philip Neary and Charles Borromeo. And he was, uh, very, at a very young age, he was sent to the hills to pasture sheep. And somewhat like St. Patrick, just about 10 years younger than him, uh, he, up on the hills he would pray. And he would pray day and night, night and day, again, blistering sun in the summer, uh, miserable enough all winters. And uh, he would pray. And a, a, he couldn't read or write. But a friend of his read to him about the, the early fathers of the desert and how they would you know, go away for, for long periods or live away from the cities and dedicate their lives to God. People would come to them for advice and for prayer and for intercession and all that, but ultimately they, they lived on their own. And this, this idea kind of struck him. He said, yeah, maybe I, should, maybe I should become a hermit or dedicate my life to prayer in, in, in religious life. But there's this wonderful little, little aspect of, of his humility. He didn't trust himself to go and live a life as a hermit on his own. He said, I need a superior. Because if I go on my own, you know, this is, this is, they're dangerous to it. You become your own boss. You become your own standard of holiness, which is a bit dodgy, but dangerous. Uh, so he said, look, I think, I'll, I, I, think I, need, I need a superior. I need a religious life. So he went to, to Rome and he met the, the Capuchins there. By the way, just so you know, it's a little Italian thing. Maybe it's a little trivia thing. But that's why a cappuccino is called a cappuccino, because it's a capuchin. You know, they wear a brown habit and the white hair. So it's brown coffee with a white top. You, you didn't know that. Cappuccino, it means a small capuchin. Cappuccino. Okay, not important. Um, so, Padre Pio, a small capuchin. Cappuccino. Okay. Um, uh, honestly, that's where it comes from. <laughs> so, uh, so, yes, so then in Rome, again, the guy couldn't read or write, but was uh, a, a wonderful preacher. He was, he was so humble, so simple, but very smart people would come to him. Like Charles Vermeer was, was a, had an incredibly sharp mind. Philip Neary uh, was intelligent in his own way. He, 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 was, he was good at having fun and messing around with, with, with uh, playing games with the, with the kids at the time as well, but he was a smart man. And they would come to, to him for advice. And while on, on one hand he appeared so, so simple, if he saw sin, which he did, he would call people on it. But in a way that because he had prayed for them beforehand and probably suffered for them beforehand, he would melt their hearts. It was said that when he would walk down the streets of Rome, uh, vagabonds would see him coming and would just kind of cower away. He didn't say a word to them. 
but they would just kind of see that it's like see the sanctity of the man and and just I shouldn't I shouldn't be you know I shouldn't be here and, and just just hide you know so he just had this way of touching people's hearts even without opening his mouth at all such is sanctity such is the heart of a man who knows God And eternal life is this, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So we ask the Lord today to deepen our knowledge of him, that we might know his heart, that we might know his desires, that we might know his love for us, and that we might respond and receive all of the gifts he's offering us. Amen.